Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. This is Matthew, one of your hosts. We were on hiatus for a little while while I was trying to um, get our co-host situation nailed down. And I'm super excited because Jeff Randall of the MCU podcast, as well as some other great projects, who I've been a big fan of for a long time, has agreed to sign on uh, be my co-host. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, sir. I'm not sure what I've gotten myself into. This is a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a fandom that I am not quite as big a fan of uh, uh-huh. as I am the MCU, but I do quite enjoy the Star Wars verse. Yeah, um, you know much of that uh, that that deep, rich continuity we talk about on the other podcast, and um, you know it's I've had a lot of fun with Star Wars products, um, video games, and books, and uh, you know some of the films uh-huh <laughs> and <laughs> and you know i'm excited to uh to, to get this kicked off and, and start talking about these things yeah me too me too it's funny because uh you know i've been talking with matt a little bit uh your other uh co-host on the mcu cast um as well as in general about the idea of getting this going and i know on one of those episodes you said something about how you didn't have time to do the work of, of editing and putting it together, but if uh, you had the chance to co-host, you'd be happy to do it. And so I kind of wrote back in and said, challenge accepted, and uh, here we are. <laughs> so, um, so let's kind of just get started. And, um, I think some of, our, some of the people listening may be people who know our other podcasts. Some may just be hearing us for the first time. Um, and what I'm really excited about we're going to do on this podcast is kind of take a look back at just the wide range of Star Wars media that's out there. And so... Today, um, we're going to be kicking off with The Mandalorian and doing uh, an episode on episode one of The Mandalorian and then kind of doing a rewatch of it. And in time, we're probably going to do rewatches of the movies, of some of the other TV shows. Um, I think I have some other people lined up to do a rewatch of The Clone Wars, which is super exciting. Um, So I'm really looking forward to kind of just diving into this wide range. And let me just start with... I know you said you were kind of a big fan of the universe. What, What really drew you into Star Wars first? Do you have kind of a memory of like... What what first got you into it? Well, lightsabers have always been super cool because it's, <laughs> it's basically swords. It's really true. Um, laser swords. Yeah, it's laser swords that you get to beat your friends up with when you're a kid. <laughs> uh, so, did you, know, did you ever use the uh, inside of a tube of wrapping paper as a lightsaber when you're like six or seven or who did fourteen or fifteen? <laughs> I used the wrapping paper. My mom got so mad because I destroyed so many rolls and. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I actually I started when I was when I was very young <clears throat> is when uh, the episode one, the the unspeakable yeah. uh, episode <laughs> came out. And, you know, being a little kid, you don't really think about things like you know, story continuity or things that make sense. You're just like, man, it's a laser battle in space. It's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, I got kind of into it from that. And then uh, from there, the things that, that really got me were. The video games, especially mm. the Battlefront 2 video game on the original Xbox was phenomenal. Nice. Um, the uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy uh, series of games, like that was one of the best games that I've played or some of the best games that I've played. Um, I was a really big fan of uh, Star Wars The Old Republic when it came out. I actually never like, you know, when people talk about video games for Star Wars, they're like, oh, you played KOTOR, right? You played Knights of the Old Republic, and it's like, uh, no, actually, I haven't. <laughs> That's the one like major property that you know everybody loves that I have not played through. Yeah. Um, but you know, I love the Old Republic, and I you know based on the Old Republic, I read 
uh, the Deceived book that mm. follows Malgus and was, uh, it was so good. Um, that was a bit more recent though, and you know, in, in more recent years. Um, yeah. And yeah, I never, I didn't watch the Clone Wars when it mm-hmm. came out. Well, I didn't watch the series when it came out because I was, I was put off by that animated film, the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's a pretty bad movie, and and God. even season one of the like. I have come around to think of Clone Wars as a fantastic TV show and that it it kind of makes the prequels a lot more watchable, oddly enough. Um, but <laughs> the first season of Clone Wars as well is is pretty rough. Yeah, you're not the uh, you're not the first person to tell me that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those points, actually, that the uh, the the Clone Wars series makes it more watchable and also that it's like it's a little bit of a slog to get through to yeah. to start it. Um, and. I think the major thing that I was told that like blows my mind is that all of the, or not all of, but most of the stories from the Clone Wars, <clears throat> the the series, are not actually continuous. Like in in you know in one uh, you know flowing forward timeline, one logical timeline of like you watch yep. this and the next episode is the next thing. It's like it's jumping all over the place. It it and is. Oh, go ahead. It's it's just it's crazy to think about. Yeah, well, and it's fun too because it. Um, I know on the the other cast, I've often heard about how much you liked the the pod idea that Agents of Shield did of having like instead of one full story over a season, having like three or four stories. Um, yes, and and uh, Clone Wars actually did that. It's shorter clumps, but you often have like one particular story will be uh, a story arc will be maybe like three to five episodes, and so it allows you to explore like okay, this one mission that a bunch of cloners uh, clones go on, or like this one Jedi gets trapped in a certain area, and so we've got four or five episodes about it. And it's a it's a fun storytelling technique, especially because, as you said, it, it jumps around in time a little bit. Um, but it allows for... You know, I always thought a story, something like the, the fall of Anakin Skywalker, is such... For that story to make sense, it has to be done with a lot of subtlety, and it has to be done slowly. And, you know... The prequels just did it so clumsily, I think in part in part because they're terribly written, but in part because <laughs> I just think it was just not enough time. And the Clone Wars really, you know, over eight seasons, I think over six seasons of television, it shows the f- slow, slow decline and fall of Anakin Skywalker and and of the Jedi themselves and of the rise of the Sith. And it's just it's a it's a really fun, fun bit of storytelling. And I'm looking forward to, to hearing your thoughts when you get a chance to watch it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I remember when I was, you know, when I was younger between episodes one and two, uh, Anakin was a very young child in uh-huh. the first one. And, you know, that's why you identify with him when you're a little kid is he's a little kid too. It's like, that could happen to me. <laughs> and, um, in episode two, when he's like significantly older, I found myself going like, when the hell did that happen? Like what's, where's all of that time yeah. going? Like, why aren't we talking about that? And then when it got to the third one, I, you know, by that time I was, I was in high school and I you know, like, I just didn't even care about timing at that point. It was just like, I do the, do the flashy <laughs> thing. I want to see the flashy thing. Come yeah. On. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of fun because you and I are, I hadn't realized I, um, unfortunately making me feel very old because I was uh, in college <laughs> when that first movie, when the first prequel came out. Um, but we come from very different generations in that regard because I'm someone who, um, for me, it was the original movies, but my mother always joked that when I was a young kid, she didn't need a babysitter for me because if she needed to run out to the store for an hour or so, 
if she just put Star Wars, like the original New Hope, in the Betamax machine. Uh, yes, <laughs> listeners, there did used to be a Betamax before VHS and before DVDs. Um, if she just put that in that machine, I, I, she knew I was not going to get into any trouble because I would just be glued to that television set. Um, yeah. And uh, the first movie I remember seeing in the theater was Return of the Jedi. Um, I didn't get to play... I think most of those video games came out when I was older and when I was like not really in the video game phase. When I was a teenager, there was a game called X-Wing, which is um, – it was basically like a flight simulator combat thing, but it had a pretty fun storyline that I really got into. Um, but now that more recently I've gotten much more into video games, I'm, I'm excited to kind of find some emulators and go back and play some of those games. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversations you and I won't be able to have about um, – you know, both like kind of like establishment media stuff that we have, the the movies and the official TV shows, but also yeah, some of the some of the books, some of the um the video games, because there's just such a richness to all those stories that are out there. Yeah, and you can you can finally see if you didn't already know why Keanu Mundi is a badass. <laughs> For sure. Have you ever read the uh, um the Darth uh, Bane books? I did not. They're they're interesting because they go deep into the history of the Sith and they kind of the the newest movie actually quotes from them a lot, um, but they are they are proof of both just how interesting ethical discussion in terms of Star Wars can be, and that there are some Star Wars writers who should never ever ever write romance because <laughs> oh my god is that storyline painful? <laughs> yep, yep, okay. <laughs> Um, that's, well, that's one of the things that I found interesting, though, about the Star Wars universe is that the uh, the the proverbial good guys in uh-huh. quotes. Uh, you can't see my air quotes, but I did it. Um, <laughs> the, the good guys, uh, so to speak, are these people who cut themselves off from all emotional ties. Yeah, uh, presumably, and that just as you know, as a human, that just does not seem like a good idea because you're. You're emotionally distancing yourself from everyone around you and kind of ostracizing yourself by choice. It's a very good point. And it's something that I think is um, interesting because, you know, as both the movies and the show show us, it's Anakin's inability to cut himself off. And the fact that he does, you know, fall in love with someone, even if it's a very poorly written romance. Um, But like um, (laughs) – but it, it yeah it, it it's he does fall in love with someone and that does wind up being his downfall to an extent and it's um when you and I start rewatching the movies I'm going to be really excited to get into that conversation because I think it's kind of subtle and I think some of the writers thought about it and some didn't but I I really like the idea of looking at like the Jedi are the good guys but they they had some problems too and maybe they're kind of that sort of celibate cut themselves off from everything wasn't really the the, the the best way to handle things and may have had something to do with what wound up happening to them. Yeah, yeah. We're starting with The Mandalorian, though. Yep. Uh, <laughs> exceedingly few Jedi uh, in this tale. <laughs> Which I, I gotta say, I'm really liking it. And uh, just, we're gonna put this out quick. So today's today's episode and then our next few episodes will be on The Mandalorian. We're doing kind of a little bit more of an intro today, but then in later episodes, we'll just jump right into each episode of the show. And what we're going to try and do is do a um, – we're always going to be spoiling the particular episode this episode's about. So we're assuming that if you're listening to this, you have either watched episode one of The Mandalorian or you are planning to just not watch it and you don't care if you get spoiled. Um, Jeff, you and I have both seen the full series, I believe. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. And so what we're going to try and do is um, if you've seen the whole series and like us, you're kind of enjoying rewatching it, um, the second half of these episodes will be a discussion of – this episode in light of everything else we know. 
But if you've only watched the first episode yet and you kind of want to watch along with us, then don't worry. We will keep the this part of the conversation um, just about what we already know and not reveal spoilers for what comes next. Um, so let me just start, Jeff. What were kind of your initial thoughts going into The Mandalorian? Like, how did you feel about what were you super excited for the show coming out? Were you kind of nervous about it? What was a what was your take on from what you saw? Well, uh, considering the um, quality question mark of the, <laughs> of the films recently, uh, I was kind of just on the fence. Like, yeah, it's going to be a thing. I've always been kind of intrigued by the the whole idea of the Mandalorians and uh, you know this this kind of warrior race of like you know weapons are my religion kind of thing kind of people mm-hmm. and. It's it's always been a, a, an intriguing thing, and especially uh, you know knowing how great of an actor Pedro Pascal is, I you know I was I was kind of intrigued. I was kind of you know I I had my I had my hopes up maybe, uh, and then after watching it, I was like, oh yep, all in. Let's do this. We're watching yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I I was coming out from a similar standpoint because I I love Star Wars content. I wanted new Star Wars content. Um. I, I, I think you and I are different on some of the later movies, and that's going to be exciting because, like, I loved Last Jedi and Rogue One. Um, but one thing I'd always kind of – this is kind of tied into some of the stuff you and I – I know you and Matt have talked about continuity. I love world building, and I yes. love seeing – I love seeing what's happening kind of below the headlines, you know? Like, okay, the the big, you know, galaxy-defining stories are happening by Luke Skywalker and Rey and Finn and all them, but – What's kind of the, the the person on the street doing in the Star Wars yeah. universe? And I'm, what else is going on? Yeah, right. And like, what's um, kind of like how the the first Spider Man movie was all about just like the cleanup after you know uh, Avengers and things like that. Like, I like to see like what happens to just you know Joe Soldier after the Galactic War against the Empire. Um, and I think that's what I was most excited about with the Mandalorian. And just in this first episode one, we totally get that. Um, yep. That that's I think one of the things that first got me in was when I realized like wait a minute this is actually about like what's just happening to normal people if if anyone's normal in the Star Wars universe <laughs> I don't know man it looks like it's dangerous to be a normal person in the Star Wars universe certainly there's a large number of big monsters <clears throat> on it seems every planet that anyone ever goes to yeah like why would people live there <laughs> on any of those like as a reasonable person like if you're if you're just a you know a taxi driver on you know this frigid area or this frigid planet like why not do something else somewhere else (laughs) instead of being possibly eaten by these (laughs) giant freaking walruses that are big enough to take down uh, like your spacecraft yeah like come on yeah that's that's it's uh, it's an interesting part of the they certainly the cgi department has discovered their ability to make big monsters and uh ever since the (laughs) rancor it seems they've not let that go um, can yep. you want to do just a quick recap uh, of the episode for people who maybe saw it a little while ago and uh, haven't gone back to it? Mm. So like a Mandalorian five kind of thing. Yeah. Man- Mandalorian episode <laughs> one. Just what happened? Well, uh, he got a bounty. Yep. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, we've got this, uh, we've got this bounty hunter that shows up in absolute style uh, into a cantina you know, walks in the door, everybody looks at him like, hey, man, I'm going to fight you because that's my thing. Yeah. I'm written to fight somebody when they walk in the door. And he shows them why that's a bad idea and, you know, gets his gets his prize. And that, you know, I like that establishing bit there to just show how much of a badass we're dealing with here. Yep. So our badass goes back 
takes his uh, takes his prize back or prizes because he just gathers them all up at once. You know, like a true uh, uh, an MMO player, he does all of his quests and then goes back yeah, to the quest hub. Go, go to turn in all at once. Yeah, you turn them in all at once because that's that's efficient, right? Yeah. So <laughs> best way to, best way to level up quick and then sell all your gear and get new one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he did. He did exactly that. Uh, <laughs> we're just watching an MMO being played here. That's yes. all this is. Hey, so, anyway, so, go on. So, yeah, he gets his prize, turns you know, turns them in, gets his new pieces of gear, and then gets a new quest. Except this quest is super special. He's got to go to a different quest hub, uh, or not a quest hub, different quest giver. Yeah, and this one, <laughs> this one is epic and and. Will likely need a party, you know. This is uh, this is intense, um, and he's given a very small amount of information, and ends up going to a different planet where we meet Nick Nolte's character, who is amazing. Yes, <clears throat> I'm so happy that we got multiple episodes of him in it. Um, anyway, Nick Nolte's character helps him to learn how to traverse this this area. Uh, he gets a mount and. <laughs> This is just an MMO. I'm describing an MMO. (laughs) (laughs) There's even a mount training scene, which is a little ridiculous, but eventually he, you know, he levels up and is able to to ride the mount. Yep. He's able to ride the mount across the, across this wasteland and then goes to try to uh, retrieve the prize, shows off again how much of a badass he is. And then we find baby Yoda. Who yeah. is really the whole point of this series. <laughs> the 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 character that launched a thousand plushies. Yes. Oh my god. I, I swear, if Disney isn't making a mint off of Baby Yoda plushie stuff, then they're doing it wrong. I, I just saw that um uh the Build Bear workshop is now licensed to make um baby Yodas. And I was like, okay, that's yes. yep, that's where it's beginning. <laughs> that's where it is. Oh my god. Yeah, so let's, let's kind of talk about different parts of the episode. I'll say, you know, one of the reasons why I love this show so much, and it, it, because it, I I love everything else in the Star Wars universe, but most of it is not what I'd call gritty. You know, it it, it definitely had a very like there were some interesting story storylines it talked about, but it was always pretty PG. You know, this was this was not the Netflix uh, Marvel universe by any means. It was oh yeah. Um, everything was like every death was pretty clean you know the the lightsaber wounds were all cauterized and, and there was never too much like blood or gore and it, it just sort of felt like very safe in a lot of ways and rogue one pushed that a little bit but it, it's overall kind of a you know a very kid-friendly thing yeah so the fact except for the emotional turmoil yeah. and uh devastation of your heart at the end of it but we can talk about that later yeah <laughs> but the fact that 30 seconds into this show a, a, cut a yes, that a bad guy is literally cut in half by a door. Which, by, a door. Wh- by the way, why don't we have some safety features on the doors? Right, but like, I mean, my garage door is better than that. <laughs> but the moment when I heard the thump of part of that guy's body hitting the floor, yep. I was and just then we like, saw his legs. I was just like, okay, we are doing something totally new in Star Wars, and I am yep. so here for it. Yes, like that whole that's like that's the establishing of the character right there yeah. and when they got into that and and we saw exactly how far he was willing to go to just to defend himself in a bar like and and he could have let that one guy crawl away he, yeah you know it probably would have been the the right thing to do but he was uh you know 
He's Mandalorian. You don't screw around with Mandalorians. Well, and, and part of what I like about it also is at first it, it seems a little like he's being heroic, like, oh, this poor guy is getting bullied and he's there to rescue him. And you realize you're just like, no, 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 no. Nope. I don't care if you bully him, but like that that's my prize. That's the guy I got to take in. <laughs> that's um, my bounty. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go put him into this ice cube that was only developed for this uh, probably five or six years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, that was one of the – there were a couple of points of the continuity that I was a little like, you know, about 15 years ago, Boba Fett was deeply surprised that you could use carbonite freezing and now it's just – like come standard on a Mandalorian ship, I guess. I mean, yeah. <laughs> maybe technology advances pretty quick in this universe, but that that was a little yep. surprising. Yeah, maybe he went back, uh, you know, to his his uh, his tribe and was like, "Guys, you would never believe what I have discovered is the best way. This is the best way to transport any bounty. Holy crap! For real." Um, so what did, what did you know about Mandalorians going into this show? Did you, like, I know, you, especially from the video games and stuff, did you have much of a background about them or were they all uh, pretty? Not much. Yeah. Most most of the stuff that I did in video games was all uh, Sith based. I was a, a Sith juggernaut um, in the Old Republic. Nice. And, you know, I liked, I liked the idea of the Mandalorians. Um, I just, I had never, I never kind of investigated too much into it. Like I was... I knew that they were, you know, all about weapons and and just kind of a tribal type culture, but they were like they were like almost super soldier ish kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and so whenever I was kind of workshopping this idea of having a, a group cosplay thing where we would do kind of uh, Star Wars, the Old Republic ish type stuff uh, crossed over with Avengers. And I was like, you know, Thor with a hammer saber would be amazing. But oh, nice. Man- Mandalorian Punisher is where it's at. Oh, I like that concept. Yeah. That's, uh, I was like, mashup of Mandalorian Punisher would be amazing. And I need somebody <laughs> to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and especially it's interesting, like how the same kind of archetypes pop up. Um, I knew very little about Mandalorians. I only knew, you know, Boba Fett and Jango Fett. And also that it just seemed like there was a portion of the Star Wars fan base that was just utterly obsessed with boba fett for reasons that i never quite understood right um it's like this is a guy who literally did nothing yeah he walked around flew around and then died and got eaten by a big like sand snake thing like yeah. not the most glorious death you could have um but yeah but and and i think especially given the the mandalorians are explained quite well in the clone wars i will say and it's um a little bit of a spoiler here but not much but they their planet is kind of one that's trying to stay neutral between the two sides of the Clone Wars, and it's a really fun storyline. Um, but I, I, I think I was a little hesitant about the show because of that, just because I didn't want it to just be like, oh my god, badass combat all the time. Um, right. And so when we got Baby Yoda as well, I just was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a... I, I, I'm really <laughs> curious where this is going to go. Um what what was your take on kind of like we get introduced to the Mandalorian? He he does all that stuff, uh, and then we get Carl Weathers as the uh, um, like you said the quest giver in the tavern. Uh, what's kind of <laughs> your take on what we kind of learn about the um, there being a bounty hunter guild and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense that there would be a bounty bounty hunters guild, um, you know, because in any MMO there's guilds for everything, right? Yep. So. <laughs> So having him be the uh, be the guy for that, you know, I just, at first I was thinking, oh, Carl Weathers, cool. We get 
you know, we get to see him for an episode or two and then, you know, he's going to go away and we're never going to see him again because, you know, Mando's running away with the baby. Yeah. When we like when I first saw him, I was like, this is fun. It's a great cameo. And I didn't think anything of it after that. I was just, you know, he's he's a guild. He's a guild guy and he gives out quests. And that's about it. Yeah, because in episode one, we that's really all we saw of him, mm-hmm. and we didn't get any more until episode two when he yeah. won the the return. Which again, let's let's, let's uh, we won't spoil that quite yet. Um, yeah. yeah, I I just love knowing that there's a guild. You know, now I, I after this episode, I really want to know more about like what what does this mean that there's a a, a guild? What what do they yeah, do? What are you the know? rules? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's always so interesting to me when things like assassins or bounty hunters like have their own kind of clubs and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and, and similarly going a little further with the world building, it's just, it's a brief scene, but just the scene of um, our main character going to, I guess it's, it's the foundry where they like make more Mandalorian armor and having the conversation with the armorer. Yep. I, I was so in for that. Like just, you get so much, it doesn't feel like exposition, but you learn so much more about the world that he's from and, 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 and what's all happening there. Yep. And seeing the uh, seeing the kids run around in their their little uh, I'm, I'm going to call it a hovel. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> that's fair. You know, seeing seeing the kids run around in their little area with their helmets on like you, you get an idea. You finally get an understanding that like this is a lifestyle that gets put on you from a very young age. Yeah. And. You know, you. I found myself wondering because I, you know, I didn't know about the culture, uh, and you know, the the code or or this is the way, or any of that. I didn't know any of that uh, going into it. So when I saw little kids running around, I was like, it, "Is that is that a thing that they they just give kids helmets?" Yeah. Like, is <laughs> that, are we doing that now? It 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 it's. I think one of the one of the best things that a first episode can do is to make you really hungry to learn more, you know, to want you set you up to want like to know like okay, what the hell's happening? How do I find out more? And this episode I think just does a great job with that, especially with these scenes with the 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 bounty hunter guild and the Mandalorians of you know, it doesn't really tell you much, but it just says like okay, there's this whole big world and we're going to be exploring that going forward. Yeah, and the one of the great things about it though is that even without knowing that the child is whatever race that Yoda is yep was like even without that it's a fantastic story on its own that exists in the star wars universe without even mentioning any of the rest of the star wars universe other than like the empire yeah and it was you know it was just a, a teensy little tidbit to say like oh the empire is dead you know the the empire is not around anymore because you know things happen and they're gone right and their money's no good anymore yeah, it, it. Have you read the um, Terry Pratchett Discworld books? Nope. It is a great series of books. I think it's like sixty-five or seventy by now, and they're very humorous and very. They're they're kind of like parody. They're not serious works by any means. But one of the things I love about it is instead of it all being like the same story, he just creates a world and then like tells these stories that have nothing to do with each other except they're all set in the same world, you know, and like sometimes a character will be hearing the news and might hear like a line or two about something that was an entire book in a different series, you know? Um, oh, that's awesome. It, it's a great, great continuity kind of a world. And and that's kind of how I felt about this, you know? Like I, this, what I'm excited about The Mandalorian is that I feel like I'm going to learn more about the Star Wars universe, but this isn't going to tell me anything I didn't know about 
the Skywalkers or Obi-Wan or the Empire. You know, it's not it it's not in any way trying to be part of that story. It's just saying, let's take this world and, and go off and do our own thing. Yeah. Like there are other things happening in this galaxy far, far away. Galaxies are big. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people in them. There's a lot that could be happening. So um, so our hero meets uh, Nick Nolte's character, who I agree with you is awesome and has some uh, great, great lines. Um, yeah, he's got the best line. Yeah. I've spoken. <laughs> I, I, That's all you need. I That's love your that. life. I, I love that. I, I, I am sure that I am the number of times I'm going to hear a couple of geeks having a conversation and one of them be like, no, we're getting Chinese food tonight. I have spoken. <laughs> I am sure that I'm going to get very sick of it eventually, but right now I am so here for it. Um, oh, man. And, and also, also yes. go ahead. Yeah. No, sorry. I was just. Yeah. I was, I was saying yay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, what did you think of the whole thing with like learning to ride the creatures? Like you said, it, that, that part felt very like MMO-ish. Um, yeah, it was the it was the training montage you know, yeah. where our, our hero levels up. Um, I You know, it's one of those things where it, it feels kind of like they did that this whole series where they establish that he is a badass and we see how, just how badass he can be. But then we also learn that he doesn't know everything. Right. And he's not he's not good at everything. He's just a dude who has, you know, been doing this bounty hunter thing for a while and is good at that for the most part. But then there are things that take him off guard or that catch him off guard and he has to learn to adapt and overcome. And I, I like that he still has room for growth. Yeah. I like that that our main character still gets to learn to do something else. And he still gets to be kind of like you know, this is a dumb idea. I don't think <laughs> writing this this thing is going to be a great thing. You know, this huge boon for me. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah, it, it does. It does help. I you know, I can't traverse this I, myself. I, I I like the spin you're giving it because frankly, it was one of the parts of the episode that kind of didn't really work for me because it just felt very. I don't know. Maybe I missed a detail or two, but it felt like I I didn't really buy that we need in, in a in a world of spacecraft and land speeders and stuff that we needed these particular creatures to get to the particular place we're going, especially <laughs> when the the robot droid shows up without any sign that he used one. Um, yeah. So it, it felt a little unnecessary to me, but I do like that idea of of showing us that he can learn and grow and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, later in the series, there's a lot of points where it's just like, "What are you doing, man? You are flailing." Yeah. And and he has to adapt and overcome. Yeah. And I just, I feel like that's just another point where he had to, to do exactly that. And yeah, it is a little weird that, that the, the droid showed up, that IG 11 showed up and uh, I'm sorry, Taika Watiti bot showed up and <laughs> just, you know, started blasting everybody without having to learn to ride a blurg, um, <laughs> which is probably the worst name for <laughs> amount of of all time. It did feel like I, like I kind of wonder who are the writers on this show, you know, and are the writers people who absolutely are hardcore Star Wars people. Like, that scene a little bit felt to me like this is a show being written by people who aren't necessarily the hardest of hardcore fans, which in some ways I think is a good thing because they're kind of like taking Star Wars in some new directions. Yep. But that felt a little bit like someone who doesn't quite get the crazy animals of star Wars trying to give fans what they wanted and maybe not quite connecting entirely. I feel like Nick Nolte was put in charge of, of naming this creature and was like, uh, yeah, yeah, blurg. Yeah. And they were like, go with it. That's all we have. That's literally the best we've got. Uh, yeah, that, that seems entirely possible. (laughs) 
Um, so, so yeah, so then we do get to the the great big battle scene with the robot uh, and 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 Mando and and then finally that last scene of of Mando killing the robot to protect the to protect the baby. Um, oh, I I was talking about the badass part where he jumps on the turret and takes out literally everybody. Oh God, yeah, that was <laughs> it was a fun fight scene. Like I'm normally not a big fight scene guy, but that was pretty well done. And you know they 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 put in a good amount of humor along with it. Like mm-hmm. they had the. The, the the IG11 bot being like, nope, it's over. I'm gonna go ahead and self destruct. He's like, no, stop, dear God, stop doing that. Well, and I and partially I liked it because in the first half of the episode, you know, you have the Mandalorian just being totally silent and barely saying any words, and I was a little worried we were just gonna have him be like super stoic, never show any emotion guy, and so yeah. having him be like clearly frustrated and like you know, like you said in a humorous way, that was a big relief. I was like, okay, no, we're gonna have some humor yeah. in this. He's a real person. Yeah. Yay. Um, I, that's part of the thing that I think that the um, the Blurg Mount bit was also about is showing that he can get frustrated. Yeah, that's true. Especially with things that he thinks are just like, this is frivolous. I don't need to do this. Yeah. This is not how I need to approach this. And and allowing the, the main character to get frustrated by things like that is part of what makes it a really good identifiable uh, main character like somebody that you can get behind and identify with their their struggle what well, is especially because part of what this sets up is you know there's so much like honor and grace and like noble warriors of the mandal kind of idea for the mandalorians and so yep. seeing that kind of like turned on its head a bit of like we're trying to be that but we're also kind of in this ridiculous situation where we're riding on a stupid animal and then hiding <laughs> in the dust it, it's kind of a nice change you know yep yep it's uh, it's it's nice to see the the mighty brought low sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so they have that pretty good combat, and then he jumps onto the um moving gun and just totally takes people out. Um, also the bad guys seem to not be completely terrible shots, which was a nice change. Like you know yeah. they didn't go to the stormtrooper uh, uh shooting ranges, but they actually learned how to shoot somehow. <laughs> um, it's the helmet. They don't have the helmet. Yeah. Quick, <laughs> quick aside. Um. In New Hope, uh, you know, the original, original movie, so much of that movie is so good. But there's a line where Obi-Wan Kenobi says that, uh, you know, only stormtroopers are so accurate with their blasters. And yeah. God, what a line <laughs> that was not paid off in any other movie in that series. Yep. Um, the, well, the the thing that I keep going back to when, when thinking about that is that in that first movie, they were not good shots on purpose. They were trying to, to corral these people into this you know this direction to make it seem like they were bad shots and everybody was just getting away but then they just never ended up being good shots again mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of dumb <laughs> it's like come on george george <laughs> let's george. let's get a little consistency here um <laughs> speaking of consistency did you catch that um or, or maybe you maybe there's a reason that you know of but just from what we know of in episode one um, the Mandalorian is giving a contract where he's told, we want you to bring it in alive if you can. And then we find that the robot was specifically told to kill, to kill baby Yoda. Um, did you, were you kind of confused by that? Did you think that was a, um, a weird writing thing or that there's a reason for that, that we'll find out later? Yes. I thought it was weird, but I, the way that I just kind of headcanoned it was, uh, the IG 11 bot, you know, they're hunter killers, right? Um, so my thought was he was told you have these two options and he was like, cool, kill it, heard. Yeah. And, you know, going, going with, it's either really difficult to capture and bring it in 
or it's a lot easier to kill it and bring in proof. He mm. went with the the latter. That makes sense. That that that's definitely a, uh, especially given the the kind of much more robotic nature of him. Um, I I did think that he was. He was much more robotic than the droids that we've encountered up till now. Like, you think about someone like C-3PO or R2-D2, like, who really have so much personality. He felt yeah. really like an artificial intelligence, which which was a fun choice. And that's kind of something I want to see, like, you know, is there, like, just the basic, you know, droid model that doesn't have a big personality installed in it compared to, you know, that's a cheaper well, version or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> if you're going to be an assassin, if you're going to be a, a, a hunter-killer bot... You don't need all of that emotion and and all that other yeah. crap weighing you down, you know. So let's strip it down to just the base, like analyze the best way to take out my enemies, kind of thing. And also, don't ever let the uh, don't ever let the the proprietary technology inside you get in the wrong hands. Yeah. But you know, mostly strip it down to no emotion, kill everything. And I think that that's what they that's what they went for on this one. And I think uh, I think that Taika pretty much nailed it in his acting. Mm -hmm. I I, I think so, too, especially at the very end where, you know, I I think if it had been any kind of like non robotic bounty hunter that was just totally comfortable killing this, you know, super adorable creature. I would have been like, come I that seems mustache twirly to me. But from a robot, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, that the robot would just be like, this is the asset. I've analyzed the, yeah, I've analyzed the best way that this has to happen and I have to kill it. Yeah. So we get that beautiful shot. And I think it's just a fantastic bit of, um, uh, you know, cinematography of the Mandalorian and the robot staring at the, the baby. We know that the, the robot has his gun trained and then you just hear and see a laser blast. Um, yeah, you see the reflection of the laser blast on the Mando's helmet, on his visor. Did did you have a moment at first where you thought that maybe he'd actually let them let the robot kill the baby? I think that that's what we were supposed to be led to, and I I did for a brief moment go like, did he just let that happen? Yeah, and and I think that's what we were supposed to feel is that you know we've seen this guy be just so brutal in the opening sequence and and such a stone cold you know guy you know, doing, doing his thing. And when brought to this particular point in his life where he's got this contract and it's a child, like you have to have that question of like, which way do I go about this? Yeah. And he obviously, you know, wanted to bring it in alive because there's a higher reward. Right. Um, but also, you know, knowing his, I don't try not to spoil too much. <laughs> So knowing knowing his his mission and and the the fact that he was shocked that somebody else showed up with the same contract and you know knowing that he's a real person that can get frustrated with things that can get you know fed up with something that he seems that he sees as futile and you know him being presented with a with a child to protect you you kind of like okay well is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna yeah is he gonna let this happen and then he doesn't let it happen and you're shown that he's a real person and then you can really actually get behind him it was so well done because like you like you said i you know often like a tv show will try to have that like maybe this guy's really that evil but no don't worry he's not <laughs> um and 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 it's okay kids. yeah he's He's good. And yeah, normally like you're kind of like, come on, I never really believed it. But I like you, 
watching it a second time, I'm surprised at how quick how quick that scene is from laser blast to the robot falling over. Because my memory is that it felt like a long moment of me being like, wait, did he really just let him shoot the baby? Did that actually happen? Because like you said, I flat out believed it would have been possible. And that, yeah, that, that to me is such good writing and such good, like, you know, movie TV making that, that really shows to me the quality of what we're dealing with here. Yeah. It, um, you know, it, it, bringing it back to uh, my favorite fandom or <laughs> my main fandom, it felt a lot like uh, this guy is the Punisher mm-hmm. and, you know, coming into this situation, you know, the Punisher, we know that the Punisher would save a kid, but we don't know that about the Mandalorian until this moment when he saves the kid. Well, and even there, like, the, especially that last little moment of them, like, rubbing finger, you know, the, the cooing finger and things like that, tells you that this is probably because, like, the Mandalorian cares about the kid. But there's still the possibility that this is just because, like, A, the Mandalorian doesn't want to split the prize with a robot, but also because, like you said, it's it's a higher <laughs> price if he brings it in. Like, yeah. we're still not quite sure what does this all mean. Yeah, yeah. I get more money. I don't have to split it. I hate droids. We did get flashbacks of, uh, well, we got the little bit at the beginning where he's like, no droids. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's kind of rude. Um, and then there was that flashback when the armorer was doing her thing, making his new, uh, his new piece, his pauldron, um, where there were like, there were flashes and flashbacks. And yeah. I we're led to believe in that, you know, in that moment, like, Oh, droids were probably responsible for that. I guess. If we put those things together. Yeah, it's not really quite clear, but certainly that... that not at that it, point. It's very clear that he's got some major PTSD kind of stuff going on. Again, actually, a, an interesting connection with the Punisher. Um, and that, you know, given the, the period of time that's from, like it being related to the droids would totally make sense. Because that's from the, like, the period of the clones versus the droids and the warfare and all that. Um, yeah. I'm telling you, man. Mando Punisher, that's that's the, <laughs> that is the cosplay. That that's the cross crossover you're looking for. Yep. All right. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to talk about uh, Matt Carroll about meeting up at Dragon Con. So if you can pull it together for Dragon Con of this year, I, I'll be down. Oof, I don't think I can do it for this year. Uh-huh. But whew, in the future, I mean, we're ar- it's already January. Like, yeah, I should have been done by now. <laughs> Patreon goals. Patreon goals for the future. I swear. <laughs> All right, uh, let's now move into our spoiler section where we're going to start talking about, um, you know, how does this episode fit into the larger narrative? So uh, I'll just quickly say for um, those who want to check out now, thank you so much for listening up till now. Um, This uh, podcast is going to be part of um, the larger Stranded Panda Network, which uh, I know Jeff, you and Matt are really kind of doing so much to kick off. Um, Yeah, it's mostly Matt. I'm just along for the ride. But it's basically going to be a way of kind of having a big old network of... All these different fandom podcasts, uh, the MCU cast, the DC on screen podcast, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Orville, the Watchmen. It's a great collection of things. You should definitely check it out. Um, please, um, you know, I hope if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please follow us. Please give us a five star review. Tell your friends about it. And uh, we'll have great ways to get into the conversation on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. All that will be in the show notes. Um, so with that, uh, spoiler warning in three, two, one. He hates droids. Droids killed everyone he's ever loved. Droids killed everyone he ever loved. Sorry. Oof. Yeah. It's <laughs> well and, and and to me the thing that I think going back and watching this, having seen the rest of the show, 
I now know, of course, exactly why he cares so much about this baby, because A, you know, you see what happens to him, but also yep. just what we're learning about the whole Mandalorian culture of it's a the foundlings. Yeah. You know that it's about like it, it's they're kind of like an orphan race. I, I mean, we're, yeah. you know, which I just think is like, does this mean baby Yoda's going to be a Mandalorian? Like, oh, my God, I want that so bad. Right. I want that Mando helmet on his little head with those big ass ears pointing out the side of it. Well, I'm thinking I need that so bad. Do you have to like shape the helmet to cover the ears so that it doesn't, you know, it protects him or something? Or I don't know, man. Either way, you got to do it. Yeah, I just need it. Yeah, it's 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 so good. Um, but yeah, what else comes up for you? What else did you kind of um think about this episode now with everything else you've learned? Um, what kind of comes up for you? I'm just, you know, like after everything has, has gone through it all, you know, this kid is 50 years old. The The child is 50 years old and is still a little bitty baby. Yeah. And his, his charge now is to scour the galaxy looking for its people. And <clears throat> it's really easy. Uh, I say really easy. Like it would be, it would be really great writing for him to go like several seasons without finding anybody like it would be a great through line every single season to have like another clue yeah or another clue and another clue but like eventually you got to find them right? right so once he does eventually find them i want it to have been so long with him and the kid where the kid is old enough to to have to make the choice. Do I want to stay with the Mandalorian and become one of him? Or do I want to go with this race of Yoda people, whatever they are? Well, so so you think that he was born like from Yoda people and then was just kind of stolen somehow? I think so. I, I like to think so, at least. Because I know that there's... Uh, what is it? Yoda and uh, Yaddle that's, that's in the, the Clone Wars? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, those are the only two that we know of that are that race. And, you know, George Lucas has taken great care to to make sure that nobody knows what that race is and never say that race's name. Um, it's it, it, funny because, like, if, if you um, – I got into the role-playing game for a while. Uh, and I, I worked yeah. at a role-playing uh, – a gaming store. So I would I, – I read through a lot of, like, Star Wars role-playing game books when I was uh, on my breaks and stuff. And – because I'm a total nerd. Um, but – that one race is just never mentioned. Like that's how deep Ever. it goes is like just nothing. Yeah. He just leaves it out because apparently even at the, you know, young age of 50, they're able to cr do crazy things with the force. And, you know, he probably doesn't even know it's the force. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, so, so I, I want to get to that in a second, but I, I actually have a very different theory. And I'm wondering if you think I'm totally off my rocker here. Okay. What if he's a clone? What if he's a clone? Yeah. Like, what if, like, there isn't actually the, those people are still around, but someone, like, found some, like, you know, genetic material of Yoda or of someone else like that and, like, you know, spun up some old cloning, cloning material? Hmm. It would make sense because, uh, when you, when we meet the child, he's in his little space cradle. Yeah. Um, the has a really solid follow mechanic <laughs> which is never explained Oddly but enough. it's just kind of awesome yeah <laughs> this remote controlled cart that is set to follow 
the Mandalorian. I'm sure many parents <laughs> have wished for that technology to become on the market. Jeez. Oh, I swear. If I could just attach that to my kids. <laughs> anyway, um, so... When we see him, we we see him in this little. It almost looks like an egg, and it reminds me a lot of the, um, a lot of the technology that you see that's all like crisp and clean and and almost like medically sterile. Yeah, on the the planet on Camino. that the Camino. That's the one. Um, geez, I'm showing my my lack of depth of knowledge. Hey, hey Lucian, uh, after listening to you be the one to like correct Matt on that all the time on the MCU cast, I'm kind of happy to be playing that role for once. So. Good, good, good. <laughs> so his uh, his little uh, cradle egg looks a lot like that kind of technology, and may well have been, you know, from there. Uh huh. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see that, and certainly, like, I think by the end of season one, we don't really have that answered in any way. Um, it in some ways, I I I'm a little frustrated at the end of season one that there's still so much. Mi- like, I feel like we just didn't learn anything about the mystery of all of this. And I would have liked to know somewhat more, but certainly there's a lot of big questions out there that I'm excited to see them keep exploring in the next couple, couple seasons. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the, one of the huge questions that I had at the end of it, when he showed up was what's, uh, what's Gus Fring doing here? I thought he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's some, there's some, some good stuff to explore here. So, um, (laughs) What is it? What was his character? Grand Moff, wasn't it? Ah, uh, you mean in the in the show itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, Giancarlo Esposito is is the character, is the actor name, right? Yeah, Moff, just Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, that's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and that's another part of like you know we there's just all this stuff about like the imperial bureaucracy and and I one thing I am curious about is. And I kind of, on the one hand, I'm a little curious to see if they explore this. On the other hand, I hope they don't screw it up. Um, But, you know, you have some people in this show, a little bit in this episode, but especially later in the season, who clearly are, like, still, like, holding on to the Empire, you know? And they think the Empire was a good thing and, you know, that it brought... Like, I kind of like that it's not just mustache... client. Yeah, exactly. It's not just mustache (laughs) twirlers, that it's people who actually really believed in this stuff. Um, Yeah. and And, you know... In the the canon, fifteen years later, we get to the first order, and I am I'm I don't want this the show to be like the founding of the first order. I want it to be kind of just off in the bushes and not super relevant. But I'm curious if we get a couple of hints about like how the first order got started or sort of what the transition was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in the in the later episodes, I think it was like episode seven, um, where. Werner Herzog, uh-huh. uh, who's only ever listed as the client, yeah. <laughs> um, he's, when he's doing his little uh, his little bit of monologuing about how the um, you know when the empire was around there was order, and like what do you look around now? What do you see? It's definitely not order. It's it's chaos. Like he's kind of right. Yeah. Like he's not necessarily wrong about that. I mean, maybe they went about it the the worst way, but they still had some semblance of order. I mean, that's that's the scary thing about the um, fascism, you know, like, you know, Mussolini made the trains run on time. And that's yeah. it's it's yeah. I, I hope that people look at it and go like the price we have to pay for that kind of order is not worth it. But you understand why some people are drawn to that. And, and it's, I you know, it, my only frustration, I think, with the early part of the Star Wars universe and, and, and honestly, most of it is 
you know, that the the big bads just seem like mustache twirlers. Like, what? why does Palpatine really want to become emperor except, you know, mwahaha, I have power. Um, yeah. And so it... Unlimited Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it is uh, um, kind of fun to hear some of the Empire people being like, no, 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 this is... This is about, like, I think the world is a better place when, when it's all ruled by this empire thing. Um, yeah, you actually have, like, real motivations for these characters. Exactly. Uh, you know, until we get to Moff Gideon, and then it's just like, where did you come yeah. from? <laughs> Why are you such a dick? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited when we get to his character, because that's kind of fun. As well as, uh, we'll get to it when we get to episode eight, but... The two stormtroopers just like just shooting oh the shit, Lord. telling jokes, and then one yes. of them punching the baby. Like, oh my god! I like, <laughs> you know, everybody talks about how like oh, stormtroopers are, you know, they're the worst. They're they're terrible shots, and like they, you know, they're unlimited quantities of them. Uh-huh. You, you always see them showing up, like as many as are needed to make it seem like a an overwhelming force. Whatever, sure, but you know that. They're not just like running around shooting at people the entire time. You know that they're just hanging out. Yeah. You know, back in the break room at one point, just like <laughs> talking to each other, and they've got lives too. Like this is a, this is a discussion that has come up from all the way back from uh, Clerks. Mm, you know, yeah. In the Kevin Smith movie, it's like there were you know plumbers and and roofers and you know like all of these mechanics and everybody who were on the new Death Star when it got blown up. Yeah. So like Innoc- all of those innocent people are taken out, but like you know not all the not every stormtrooper is doing it because they're like yes I have to I have to conform conform to the the Empire and make the order. <laughs> like that's not it. They're just trying to get a paycheck so they can go home. See, and Matt Carroll says that Star Wars doesn't have the ethical questions that Star Trek has, but there's tons of ethical questions <laughs> in here. There actually are. We're not quite getting to them yet, but I I will say the Mandalorian yeah. gets to some great ethical questions that I'm I'm looking forward to showing Matt wrong about. So that's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> uh, we're we're almost about the the hour mark. Is there any kind of like closing? stuff you want to mention about this episode or or kind of the season that you're looking forward to getting into i'm really looking forward to getting into talking about cara dune because cara dune is back yep um this is the way (laughs) and yeah i think we've uh, i think we've done enough damage for now yeah (laughs) yeah but this was a lot of fun jeff i'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what you and i can put together because i think uh obviously we've got some good discussions here some things we agree on some things we see a little differently and uh I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where this goes. And Mandal- I, I'm, I'm glad you suggested The Mandalorian because uh, my original idea that we start with the movies would have meant our first couple of discussions would have been about the prequels. And that would have been a, a little bit of a slog for our fans to, to get through. So I think we, we're starting on a higher note here. Yeah, it's a little bit more timely yeah. and a little bit more uh, widely received as, as positive. Exactly. Well, and to people who are checking this out, um, thank you so much uh, for being a part of us and, and being here as we kind of do our relaunch here. Um, if you like what you heard, if you want to disagree with us or agree with us or just keep the conversation going, you can find us on, um, Facebook or Twitter at, uh, Star Wars Universe Podcast. Um, I think it actually might be a little bit different. Uh, honestly, I created a Facebook and a, a email name and I don't remember exactly what they are, but I'm going to put them all in the show notes and remember to have them to read them off for the next episode. Uh, and maybe I'll just re-record this part. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but as you can tell, we're kind of getting started here. Um, but but definitely do check that out. Be part of the conversation because I think that's the um, – Jeff, I know you guys love the feedback episodes you do with the MCU cast. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, to me, what what gets me into these universes is getting to talk to my friends about it. Like I um, 
part of why I love the whole stranded panda idea is I feel like all of us are kind of wandering around with all these cool theories and ideas in our head and, and we want just people to talk to about them. Um, and this is a time for you and me to do that, but for the fans too, I want you guys to get to share your theories, share your ideas, talk about what you love, tell us how me or Jeff are completely wrong about something, write into us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so all that will be in the show notes, please keep listening. Like I said, we may also be doing a, a series on the Clone Wars pretty soon, um, so keep an ear out for that, and uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you more soon. Until next time, true believers. <laughs> oh, no, wait, that's wrong outro, <laughs> wrong outro, sorry. Sorry. <laughs>